Hi and welcome to The Three Good Podcast, a weekend podcast where I talk about all things to do with positive psychology, well-being, resilience, mental health and emotional intelligence. I'm your host, Sukhpavia. Hello folks and welcome to The Three Good Podcast. It's been a while since we last did this. September 14th, in fact, when I last spoke about happiness on the podcast. A lot of things have been going on in that time, and I'm not really going to spend the time to try and walk myself back through all the different global events and personal events that have happened in that time. But I think where I'm up to is I'm up to a stage where around that time, around September 2020, I sent off my writing that I've been doing. Um, which is hopefully going to form a book um, around the interplay of positive psychology, emotional intelligence and mindfulness. Um, Cutely titled Positively Emotionally Mindful. And I sent it off to an editor to, to work on because I felt like I'd got it to a position where I'd done the rambling side of stuff, right? You know, I'd put it out into a format that I think forms some kind of story. And what I was really seeking from the editor was someone to look at it from a professional editorial perspective and give me some feedback and review on it. And I think I've got there with that because uh, the, the, so the platform, if you haven't heard of it, is a platform called Readsy. Really good platform to find independent freelance editors who can work on writing, who can help you do the editorial side of stuff and all the different pieces that that involves. By the way, folks, I didn't realize that there were so many different aspects to editorial work and I still don't really understand it all, but I certainly understand that there is some very, there are some very good professionals out there who do work in this space. So the editor I found helped to do the, what they call an editorial assessment worked through it and essentially gave me the best feedback I could hope for in breaking down everything. She read through the whole piece, the whole manuscript. It was, um, when I gave it to her, about 50, just shy of 50,000 words. And she really went through and broke it down in terms of the messaging, my writing style, what I, um, the arguments I'm trying to present in there, and I've essentially broken it down into those three categories that I mentioned, positive psychology, emotional intelligence, mindfulness, and um, tried to create stories and links that, that bring it together. But in a core way, what I'm trying to do is I'm, I want to use an evidence base, a research base, to be able to put forward my arguments. So it's not just that it's my insight because I've done the thinking in this space and I've done some reading in this space. Uh, which is where I initially came from on it, it's that actually there's a lot of work done in this space and I'm trying to present it in a way to be able to say, if you want to know good stuff in these, um, in the, across the piece in these spaces, we can look at that and we can really look at the evidence, the research that's been done in these, play, in these different ways and comment on that and I can comment on it and I can talk about it. So that's, I think that's given me some motivation now to come back to the podcast as well in a bit more of a um, determined way to use the podcast to help to talk more about the writing itself so that it's something that I can keep coming back to. So today's episode, episode 39, 
is going to be the the uh, what does the research on resilience tell us? And I think this is a really fascinating place uh, piece to talk about. So in the book, I talk about uh, some of the principles of positive psychology, and in particular, I'm talking about resilience in the uh, in the writing because it's a core piece that pretty much most writing in the space tends to come back to in some way. And certainly, the whole, the the current period that we're living through with COVID nineteen. Um, global political things happening, local political things happening in the UK, um, just kind of personal life stresses and what have you, mean that we are being stretched in so many different ways. And, I, and it continues, resilience, con uh, resilience and well-being continue to be high topics of interest because we really want to know how, how can we look after ourselves through this kind of period. So I haven't what I haven't done right now is, um, and I'm not planning to either, is I haven't done the thinking to suggest when you go through a period of uh, stress like we're going through, this is how to um, respond to that in a particularly kind of policy driven way. I, I'm, I'm, I'm not looking at that side of stuff. I'm kind of just looking at the side of stuff of well, what do we know about re resilience in the first place from, res from a research base? And leaving that up to you all as my listeners to be able to take that, do something interesting and useful with it. So that's where we're going to, I think that's where we're going to go with, folks. So let's let's get through this. Let's start to have a look. So one of the things that immediately comes out when reading about resilience in research papers is, as with many concepts like this, there is not a unique defined, uh, unique definition that helps us to understand what this is. So personally, I didn't really know that resilience was in initially studied in children who were maltreated. And um, they, they, there was an a whole initial piece of work on how do those children go on to lead what we might call normal lives and in some respect thrive and, uh, and, and have full lives as, as much as they could be expected to. And uh, and so from there, the the concept of resilience was just really taken into very many different con uh, contexts. So what I'm going to try and do is I'm going to try and talk about some of the key. I think personally, my bias is coming through here. Some of what I think are some of the key concepts around the different papers that I, I've been reading. So one of the papers that I've had a look at is a paper entitled. Resilience under conditions of extreme stress, a multi-level perspective. And it's by a researcher called Dante Cicchetti, I'm going to say. I may have that pronunciation wrong. I'll put the link into the show notes so you guys can follow it up for yourselves. And what's interesting about this is uh, the work by Cicchetti is um, what he, what they, he, I think it's a he with a name like Dante, defines as multi-level. And that piece in particular, I think, really highlights a, a few things. One is that resilience is a complex phenomenon in that it's not just a result of um, a certain type of thing in, in, in that it's not just if you've experienced stress or if you've experienced trauma. It's that there are m multiple le levels of interaction, intervention and support that you can receive, which enable resilience to happen. 
and there may also be a multi-level um, understanding of the different things that have built resilience in your system so in your system meaning your your bodily system both physically and mentally as well so certainly the not just this piece that i'm um that the research paper i've just mentioned but others as well they they talk about how um trauma in and of itself doesn't mean that somebody may end up being resilient it means that they will have learned how to deal with the trauma and there may be coping mechanisms and defense mechanisms mechanisms in place which lead on to how that person um, has adapted their behavior to either avoid similar traumatic events or to learn from it and build from it and, and be able to grow as an individual because of it and it's that that that's the piece for me which i think is where resilience really speaks of its own is how do we understand when people have gone through something like a, a heavy stress or a, or a traumatic experience and um, and there may be other things that are related to that what's happening for that individual that they are growing that they are able to take that experience and learn from it in a way which not necessarily defines them but they've understood that it's part of their human experience and because of it and the learning from it they have learned how to become a stronger and more resilient individual and related to this as well and this is some of the work that Sachetti talks about is that uh, in the development of resilience we can learn to develop health promoting behaviors as as he's called it and there are also protective factors at play as well so the protective factors would be a result of the the heavy stress or trauma that you might have experienced and the health promoting behaviors then are well how do we learn from that in order to ensure that the 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 system the body stays strong and it is able to survive and we don't put ourselves in in dangerous situations again so an interesting way to really think through both the protective side and the health promotion side as well and and from that when thinking about the protective and the health promotion side of stuff what's really fascinating i think from this paper that comes out is um, sachetti talks about how uh, that um, resilience is not something an individual has it's a it's something which is happening constantly it's something which day to day we learn what things will enable our resilience and what things take away from our resilience and day to day we we put into place different support mechanisms or interventions that will either help us or protect us um yeah protect us or help uh, enable us to to become stronger and more resilient individuals and also the the concept then of bouncing back and how do we develop the bounce back ability is more around the health promotion side you know how do we learn the the skills of resilience so at one level we're definitely finding that a person's natural biological uh, self has uh, has an impact on their ability to be resilient yeah, so from child from childbirth through to becoming a teenager and later uh, you know, um, a full adult later the body's naturally going through a lot of development growth and within that the the systems within the body are also developing in certain ways as well 
and over the years um, either through medical science or through natural immunity system we our body is naturally developing a level of resilience so when it comes to that physical aspect of stuff we have a baseline we have an underlying level of this is going to be an efficient operating system and there may be a need to have to bolster that and keep promoting that because sometimes the body just doesn't want to work with us in the way that is designed to and so it throws different things at us and which is where the marvel of medical science comes in and and so certainly that's something which has come through not just through the work from Sichetti but it's something that we we know as as a given in more recent years and particularly the work around positive psychology and this is the work of Seligman and where this particularly comes through um, and not just Seligman but also Fredrickson Barbara Fredrickson as well is where it helps us to under where they've helped us to understand that the mental side of um, our health is also a indicator of how we perceive resilience and what we can what we think uh, we are capable of doing and um, and in particular um, you know again it's, it's it's through the experience of um, growing up and the nurturing nature of people around us the supportive environments yeah, and if we haven't had those the impact of not having those kind of systems and um, you know people and groups in 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 place like schooling like teachers like parents cousins family members friends what have you all of those have a significant positive impact on the way that we develop mentally and are, uh, are able to articulate ourselves around things such as um, emotions and feelings and expressing how we think about things so we, we've certainly understood that these things develop to a certain level where I think we, we're really starting to advance what we understand by resilience is that we can build the skill the skills that sit around resilience and this is where I think some of the work of Sacchetti and some of the others we're going to talk about really start to come through so part of those skills that they talk about uh, that Sacchetti talks about in this paper in particular are the um, health promotion ones that I talked about and what they the way he talks about it is um, that you can you can put interventions in place and it's a question of where when in your growth cycle do you need those different interventions and that's quite an interesting piece because what he talks about here is you know do we need to in do we need to give children and in the early years in the early stages of their life um, and they don't clearly define that so I'm going to hazard a guess and say up to their teens and maybe a bit beyond that as well you know, should we be spending time as much as the education side of stuff is needing to happen a focus also on the resilience building side of stuff as well and the types of aspects that they'd be talking about there are more of the kind of psychological aspects of how to maintain a person and a child's self-esteem their sense of self-efficacy how they think they can achieve different tasks um, in, um, and, and these types of uh, concepts which help us to understand that if we can build that capability as a child it's something that you can keep developing and keep coming back to because these are concepts which don't change just because you enter being a teenager a young adult um, yeah a full adult at a later stage maybe a parent maybe going on to work and develop a career 
or whatever it is, wherever it is that life takes you, these concepts around how do I feel about myself? How do I express my emotions? How do I um, build relationships and um, and try and live a fulfilling life? Um, how how do these things keep carrying with us in a in a in a, in a system? And you know we are part of many systems, and so it's quite an interesting piece I think there that th this is where the multi-level thing I think comes through that resilience isn't just the um, isn't just the uh, consequence or isn't just the thing of a particular type of event. We can learn from uh, particular events that happen, but also there are opportunities to develop that that capability of in later life. If something comes my way, I will not feel so put upon. I will not feel so um, negatively impacted by it because I've learned the skills of how to not let it deeply affect me in that psychological way. I can, um, I have the psychological uh, tools to be able to examine what's happening, think about what I need to do and come through positively. I think in some ways, through experience of my children, that the school system is starting to pay attention to this. Certainly, I look at my 10-year-old daughter and her, her understanding of uh, what she is capable of doing and the impact of um, if she's not doing something particularly well, she's not particularly deeply phased by those. She quickly moves through and is able to try again and is willing to try again and willing to get better so she can improve part of me is curious to know is that the schooling system that's doing that is that an influence from me as her father or her mother um that 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 comes through is it because of her social circle is it because of social media it's hard to know i'm not studying her in that way but i i certainly uh, I'm interested in in how she, as, as a 10-year-old child in the year 2021, um, is able to do that. And certainly in, in relation to the, top thing, to the topic we're talking about of this multi-level approach to developing resilience. So in another uh, paper that I, I, I was looking at was a paper called The Impact of Hope and Resilience on Multifact Multiple Factors in Neurosurgical Patients. It's a paper by Devika Duggal, Amanda Sachs Zimmerman, and Taylor Liberta. Now, this one in particular is particularly fascinating because they look at the psychological characteristics that face neurosurgical patients and how developing resilience can enable their uh, recovery. And um, what can we do to enable better recovery for people who know they're going to go through a fairly traumatic in terms of the bodily trauma surgery and that recovery from that requires them to have to understand at a psychological level what they can do to work through the recovery process and two things come out in the paper they are hope and resilience and how both of these as stable psychological traits can act as protective factors against adversity. I like the way that they discuss what hope is. So they discuss hope as an optimistic attitude of the mind 
based on an expectation of positive outcomes. They go on to say that hopeful individuals possess positive thinking that is reflective of a realistic sense of optimism, as well as the belief that they can produce routes to desired goals. In the context of knowing that you're going to have some neurosurgery carried out and that you need to have um, a, a positive, hopeful attitude towards your recovery and you can take steps to uh, do health promoting behaviours uh, as well, this starts to build a bit of a picture around not just the um, personal um, efficiency around how can I maintain a, a good um, bodily system, but also actually in the recovery of traumatic events like going through surgery, that you can enable yourself to um, to uh, respond better to the recovery treatment process because of this attitude around hope and resilience as well. This talks similarly to what Sichetti was talking about previously in the multi-level perspective that it's not just the um, it's not just understanding that there are uh, health promoting things that you can do at an individual level but actually there are other things as well. Do you have the support of loved ones in order to help your recovery to take place? Do you have the right kind of interventions from healthcare professionals who can enable you to work through um, any kind of recovery or mobility that you might need to recover and regain as well? Do you have the support of um, your work in terms of uh, needing to take time off fully to recover so that you can come back into the workplace if that's a goal of yours. If if that's not a goal, then you know, do you, whatever the goal is that you're setting out, do you have the people around you to be able to um, help you understand how you can regain the level of activity that you were hoping to previously? Those of you who know me know that I'm a fan of tennis and part of that um, is following kind of the uh, medical stuff that players go through. Andy Murray, one of the top UK players uh, for many years, has uh, in recent years not been playing at his best because he's had ongoing problems with his hips. And in in, um, in, in one instance, he had to undergo a p particular form of surgery um, and it meant um, it was called resurfacing the hip joint. And he had to go through a rigorous process of recovery from that which was this multi-level approach it was it was both the physical side of stuff so he had to go through a lot of physical therapy physiotherapy mobility uh, regaining all of that there was also the psychological side of stuff he worked with psychologists to help him uh, rethink through what is it that he can do what is his capacity what's his capability his coach helped him to keep setting different um, goals he wasn't going to be able to return to elite uh, tournaments in the early stages of recovery because he needed time to the body for the body to recover better what are the goals that you can set yourself so th th I think that starts to help to ground this a bit to really understand how can we understand and use some of these concepts in this paper Dougal Sachs Zimmerman and Liberta talk about how resilience is an individual's ability to adaptively respond to hardship, stress and adversity 
and has been also defined as the ability to bounce back from negative events without succumbing to despair. And I think, again, that's just a really helpful way to define what resilience is, the ability to adaptively respond to hardship, stress and adversity. And that adaptive piece of that, I think, really is a key piece because we don't know the various different, the variety of different things that are going to come through to us in life. We have no idea how um, we're going to react to different life events being made redundant, a death of a loved one, um, having to completely restart and and take on a new career, parenthood, um, having an argument with friends, uh, maybe being involved in an accident of some sort, all of these different things. They're going to mean and affect us in so many different ways. We can't place out a a roadmap to say, if, if this event occurs, this is how I will react to it. It's the adaptive nature of well, how do I understand what my positive traits are and how do I build those positive health promoting behaviors and the psychological health promoting behaviors and and use that as a way to help me deal with these things. And so in this paper, what they've found is that individuals who report high levels of resilience, which tip and they typically portray an optimistic outlook, positive emotionality, curiosity and openness to new experiences lead to constructive attitudes and constructive behaviors and it enables um, individuals to positively cope with uncertainty conflict and failure so i'm just going to replay those because i think they're important to just come back to it's about having an optimistic outlook positive emotionality curiosity and an openness to new experiences that allows individuals to adaptively respond to things like hardship, stress, uncertainty, conflict and failure. So when we think about those different things, they are thing, they are um, concepts, they are behaviours, they are, um, it is possible to develop cap- capability around those. You know, when we look at something like positive emotionality, it's yeah, if you've been um, a long-time listener of this podcast, you'll know that it's something I talk about regularly, is how do we build day-to-day activities that allow us to experience positive emotions and not just experience them, but also articulate them and reflect on them in really healthy ways that enable us to understand um, that on a day-to-day basis, uh, there are things happening in my life which are positive, they build me up, they give me that strength and personal resolve and resilience to be able to keep going on. Having an optimistic outlook is done around the same kind of activity. How do we frame our thinking so that when we are faced with different life things happening day to day, we're able to look at those and and, and evaluate them in a way to say, how can I get through this in the best way possible for me? What is going to be a good goal I can try and aim for? Yeah, is it that this week I'm going to try and improve my walking? Am I going to try and improve my running? Am I going to try and improve my reading? Whatever it is around that, what's a, what's a good goal I can set myself? By the end, if it's reading, by the end of this week, I'll try and have read one chapter. If it's running, by the end of this week, I'll have try and completed a kilometer worth of running you know it's 
it's building in those goals, clear goals that help us to be able to build a level of optimism that I can keep pushing and I can keep building on and developing. I like the pieces around curiosity and openness to new experiences because that says to us that, um, you know, we don't have to just limit ourselves to what our life experience tells us. Our life experience may tell us that, um, you know, we, we had a certain kind of strict, disciplined upbringing where you can only stay within certain parameters. And that's that can often be harsh and it can often be quite, um, it holds us back because we're not, we, we haven't been allowed to experience new things in, in a full way or to be curious about them in, in, in a variety of ways either. You know, sometimes we can just be so set on, uh, I like what I like and that's all I need to know. And I don't want to nor need to have to try new things. And when that happens, it also then follows that if you have particular stressful events coming through your way, they are probably going to present as difficult situations for that that kind of individual to work through. Whereas developing the capability of curiosity, I wonder what could happen if I'm going to try this new experience to help me to learn and, and build my personal capacity. These are interesting things to consider of how do we do that with our friends? How do we do that with our loved ones? How do we do that for ourselves? Because these positive emotions uh, as we discussed a bit earlier, um, as they've defined it in this paper, they lead to constructive attitudes and behaviours, and it enables those health-promoting behaviours. And that's really, for me, that's really, I think, important. You know, we have to, if we if we think that resilience is important, and if we think that it's an enabler of getting through hard and tough times, this is what the research is essentially telling us: is if we want, if we think that these are there are good ways to get through hard and stressful and adverse times, yes, there are because the research is able to look at this from a number of different perspectives. And so the last piece that I'm going to pick up on is the relationship with uh, resilience and mental health, and how a focus on mental health and positive mental health enables us to really. Um, consider how we how we build on resilience. So in a paper called Positive Mental Health and its Relationship with Resilience uh, by a researcher called Kalpana Srivastava, she starts off by saying that um, the World Health Organization take the time to actually define mental health themselves um, in that they incorporate it in the definition of health. Health is a state of complete physical, mental and social well-being and not merely the absence of disease or infirmity. And what I really like about that is that it's it it's in that one sentence, in, the, in that definition, it clearly helps us to understand that it's not just not having uh, poor instances of these things, it's that we can actively build towards a healthy state. Healthy state, you know, being however it is that we need to define it, but what I really like about her ongoing work here is um, Shuri Vastava says that concepts of mental health include subjective well-being, perceived self-efficacy, autonomy, competence and recognition of the ability to realise one's intellectual and emotional potential. That's a bit of a mouthful, folks. Let me go through that again. 
Concepts of mental health include subjective well-being, perceived self-efficacy, autonomy, competence and recognition of the ability to realise one's intellectual and emotional potential. So there's a couple of pieces there which we haven't really spoken about, which are around, I think, the um, intellectual potential. So I just want to let's just hang on that for a moment, which I really like because it's, you know, that I think is speaking to the education system to some degree. And if not the education system, certainly the critical thinking faculties that we have and our ability or capability to be able to take on data, information, think it through, discuss it in a healthy way where we're not getting drawn into arguments, but we're developing our thinking capability, that this has a, a real tangible effect on the positive mental health that we experience. Um, so th there's certainly something there which I think is, is quite worth just um, realising. Uh, and also, I think the piece around autonomy and competence is an interesting one. Certainly because it's, um, it, it, they may not be just readily uh, understood in that, you know, having autonomy, how do you build that? How do you, uh, how do you allow someone to say, you have the freedom to go ahead and do whatever you think? You know, it's, um, again, I, I kind of see it happening with, um, in more modern times that we allow people to have agency over their own thinking and their own decisions and what they need to do. They do that anyway, of course they do. But what we often see is that there is an influence there. You know, it's, um, I was told to do this line of study because my parents told me I had to be a doctor or a lawyer, or I had to take this particular route of um, uh, for, for life in that I had to get married to this individual because it was a, a social norm that I had to conform to. You know, or something like um, uh, I, I was I was given this um, illness, uh, not given the illness, sorry, I was uh, diagnosed with this illness, and my parents told me I had to take this particular type of uh, medication, even though I, I didn't want to. There's thing, there's different ways that we can often be presented with um, what we think are autonomous decisions, and that they're not, and what we can enable is how do we allow someone to make decisions for themselves but not just in the hope that they will learn from it but actually allow them to think it through really well well if we take that decision if you take this choice of action what are the likely things that we're going to need to do in support of that you know um, let's say for example it's around a choice of subjects for a future career it's okay so if you do subjects x y and z what are the uh, future subjects that you could do, future topics or um, you know that you might want to go and study at college or university if that's where you, if that's the route you want to take. That fuller thinking through as opposed to just make your decision because you've got to do it because that's what the education system says. Right? And I'm choosing a very particular example there, but hopefully you you can see that there's um, other ways to think through how do we enable someone to become autonomous in their thinking and their, in their uh, personal decision-making capability. So I think what we've really started to kind of uh, unfold here is that, you know, when we also talk about positive mental health, it is, it is closely linked to the resilience that we have because it's in the development of 
positive mental health and physical health. Um, so as we started off by talking about this as a multi-level concept, that the system as a whole, the bodily system, physical, mental health combined, enable us to be a more resilient person. So my my, my my reflections on this as I've been reading on these for the book that I'm writing as well as from that personal perspective is I think we we can give ourselves the space and the time to really constantly work through what does it mean for me to be resilient what does that look like and am I doing the things that are best for me And not just that they're best for you, but that you've taken the time to really start to work through the very many different things that we've talked about here. If it's around your physical health and that needing to be in a stronger, better place, then working with somebody who can help you to do that. Be it a physical, uh, personal trainer who understands how to develop um, physical activity and exercise. It might be your nutrition because you might need to manage your weight. So working with a dietitian to be able to help get through that, setting yourself clear goals and at the same time working with somebody who can help to strengthen and develop the psychological factors that will also impact on that as well. It's, I think, uh, the, the topic of resilience and the research on resilience is, I think this is one of the things I found really fascinating, is not just that there is obviously good research out there, but it tells us in really really clear ways that there are very positive impacts and um, outcomes that can be achieved because it enables us to have better life outcomes. And that can sometimes sound a bit too broad and a bit too ambitious. Um, and in some ways it is. So, you know, I, I, I don't try and lead with that kind of statement, but it, there is certainly something there around how if we, you know, and so if we take the current examples of where we are now, you know, we are going through one of the worst global health crises that we have faced in decades. We are, as a country in the UK, we are going through one of the most trying political times due to Brexit. And... Um, this, those two things combined are testing many people's resilience and their well-being. What we can do is we can certainly control for how we personally are allowing ourselves to grow through this period, which can really sound like an odd thing, is how do you grow through a period of adversity? But when we think about this, this episode in particular, that's exactly what we're talking about, is we are going through an incredibly stressful time and in a period of extreme adversity. So how do you grow through something like that? There is a level of, well, at a, um, at a societal level, at a community level, how do we build the social resilience, the community resilience, the, the country's resilience to get through things? And in some way, we can see that there are different groups trying to help with that. Mental health charities, community support groups, political systems, the economists, they're all worried, and the health healthcare professionals, everyone is worried about the impact of how this is, of what this is really going to mean for us. And so they're trying to build in different ways to make sure that we can do that. 
currently we're in January 2021, we're into our third lockdown because this is what they've deemed as the one of the ways to be able to ensure we are able to be resilient at a later stage. That there are still very many problems that sit around that because we're because we are so heavily restricted in the range of um, options available to us. And so currently we are we're faced with some very, very uh, not binary choices, but limited choices in what we can do that would naturally build our um, resilience. And I think what I'm hopeful today's episode does is is to highlight there are still within our control, a range of um, tools, psychological tools, personal tools, physical tools um, that you can use that can enable you to still grow and feel good out of this. We don't, and this isn't to say that we need to have come out of this in, um, by having been the most productive or that we have to have achieved kind of life goals by coming through this. What I'm really just trying to go for is we can get through this and come out of it less negatively impacted by enabling a set of health promoting behaviors. That's the hope, folks. Well, I'm going to try and come back to making this a regular um, affair. I'm certainly going to be talking more about the book and uh, where how that's developing and where that's going as well. And I'm going to be looking to uh, start bringing guests back into the show as well. It's been a while since I last did that. As you know, it's helpful to the uh, podcast if you can uh, do the normal social liking things, which help for something like this to get out there. Like we're uh, like it on the app that you're on. If you can comment on it, that's a good thing. It just helps other people to know that they can access it and hopefully increase some of the popularity around the podcast. So anyway, folks, I hope you're well, keep well. And if you have anything that you'd like to talk about as a result of this podcast, please do just get in touch with me. Very, very interested in taking this and just having an ongoing discussion about it. Take care. Bye-bye.